Welcome to The Slant, the best damn not safe for work podcast in all the land. If you have kids in the car and you don't let your kids cuss, then guess what? This podcast is not for you to be listening to in the car. This is an adult conversation, pop culture, sports, and politics. That's what we talk about. So you can get mad. You can send us an email to I'm mad at unafraidshow.com. I'm George Reister with B.F. Castro. What's <laughs> What's up? So we got a bunch of good things up talking about today. Number one, a man who has dominated the news for the last, you know, for the last three weeks. This dude has burned his feet. He has he has had helmet gate. Now he has a sexual assault. But even before that, he apparently tried or not tried to get released from the Raiders. So we're going to talk about Antonio Brown. And we're going to talk about a huge topic that sports fans, college football fans are talking about. And now we got even Tim Tebow weighing in on it. And that he's going to get blasted for the California Fair Play Act. And we found out that South Carolina is jumping on board. They are not to be left behind. And we have our idiot of the week and our good guy of the week. And we will tell you about those. But VF, we got to start with the man, the myth, the the legend, <laughs> even, who is Antonio Brown, who is actually my eight-year-old's favorite football player when he was on the Steelers. And now... I'm like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know, son. Maybe I need you to pick a new role model. You know what? Yeah, introduce him to Juju. Juju's a good guy. Everybody loves Juju. He just, like, has a Frenchie and plays video games and plays football and comes in the side door and, you know, he goes to work. Yeah, but yeah, but Juju didn't have a good game in week one. He didn't catch for 100 yards. You know what? He's, the team got blown out. He's, Antonio Brown's better. I mean, he's also been in the league now for, what, nine years? He he has a little more of a leg to stand on in, in terms of stats and stuff. I think that, you know, comparing A.B. to Juju is like you really kind of can't at this point. But now Juju is wide receiver number one in Pittsburgh. So now, you know, that used to kind of be A.B.'s spot. Now that's kind of turning into Juju's territory. And now he's got to step up. He knows that. But we're not here to talk about Juju. We're here to talk about Antonio Brown because it seems like this is just the shit show that will not go away. Like every week there is something popping up. I mean, this dates back to 2017. We're in 2019. Like when is this going to stop? Recently, we had the helmet gate, the league decertified his helmet, which caused him to clash with teammates and coaches over OTAs. And like you said, he fried his feet off going into a cryo chamber without proper footwear. Um, and then he was released last week from the Raiders after a, once again, a complete shit show, nullifying a massive contract. He was fined $50,000 for missing practices, posted the Mike Mayock's letter on social media. Him and Mayock got into a heated altercation. He called Mayock a cracker. He posted the fine on social media. Once again, him and social media. AB cannot stay off social media. Maybe that's half the problem in his life. Everything is for show. And so he was supposed to be suspended. He apologized to the team, blah, blah, blah. Then it he, was an emotional apology. Right. Remember that? It was, it was an, an emotional, emotional apology. apology. Exactly. Like emotional to who? And so uh, he posts a video on YouTube um, with a recorded conversation with Gruden who said, please stop this shit and just play football. Gruden knew he was being recorded. So that legal issue just kind of was, you know, it, it was a non-issue. So the Raiders released him um, after Brown ends this video. With, this is my life. Ain't no more games. Raiders release him. He's picked up by the Patriots, signed to a one-year deal. Brady offers A.B. a place to stay in his humble trophy room while he gets settled in New England. How kind of him. And then right away, news broke that he was accused of uh, allegedly raping a woman who used to be his trainer. So, okay. yeah. Okay, so that's where we're at. So this his newest allegation is a lawsuit by a woman who used to be his trainer. And mind you, what she was training him in, she was his flexibility coach she's well, she, a former gymnast right. he they were th listen they th this was a i'm paying you to stretch me and have sex with me the, the this is what what happened and it turned ugly and now it looks as if that she was trying to get money out of him and i look at this 
I think people have trouble separating the issues because I've seen so many people on ESPN and other places. Oh, he needs to be put on the commissioner's exempt list, suspended, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this dude doesn't even have criminal charges against him. This is a civil lawsuit. Somebody accusing him of doing this. This is no different than somebody spilling coffee on themselves and then and and then uh, suing McDonald's. You don't know if it's right. You don't know if it's wrong simply because of a lawsuit. Right. And I think that people jump the gun because I'm a person. I realize that I understand that women get sexually assaulted all the time, that they don't report it. All of these things. But I am of the same opinion, even though it may be unpopular, that now in 2019, that that it's different two, three, five, 10, 15 years ago, that where you weren't believed, you weren't heard, you that that a lot of times these things were brushed under the under the rug and there would be nothing done about it. But now as a grown up, I think that there is a responsibility of people to report these issues. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think that, you know, she says that she, um, well, the issue, the, the, the kind of thing that kind of had me, you know, uh, she is deeply religious and she sought guidance from her church after the alleged rape and a leader who happened to Mind be you, three separate occasions, right? Three separate occasions, but the leader who happened to also be a former DA and sex crimes prosecutor in New York said that they recognized, according to the report, they recognized signs of trauma and they suggested that she seek legal counsel. And I get it that, you know, she, she might have been scared. I know that a lot of a lot of people are scared. A lot of people, they are left with this kind of guilt, this feeling of, of deep burden after something like that happens. And you really it's very subjective by victims. You know, they they there is no textbook. There's no there's no way to to tell a person how they should or should not handle certain things. Everybody's built differently. Everybody's case is different. And so, you know, there are a lot of people, it takes them a long time to come out. Then there are people who come out right away and say, this person raped me, this person attacked me, this is what happened. But then AB saying, and now this is all deleted. Her social media is now all deleted. So it's it's really difficult to corroborate because his counsel, Derek Heitner, is saying that she was posting photos of her and AB after the incidents occurred. And this was for to enrich herself monetarily, whatever, uh, for marketing, et cetera, et cetera. This is who I'm training. You know, that's, that's a big deal. He's the number one wide receiver uh, in the NFL. And so, you know, obviously we can't corroborate that independently because she deleted her social media. So it's difficult when you're trying to kind of connect the dots and create an opinion on something uh, there when there's there's such limited um firsthand evidence or information in front of you yeah and and as a man i can tell you i don't know what this is like i don't know what that fear is like um i'm you i'm as a big black man <laughs> you know people are usually un i mean like afraid of me for no reason for no damn reason. Right. So I don't understand. So I don't understand that fear that a woman may feel in the situation or feeling like someone has power over you and control over you in that. But from a logical point, the way that I may be as a man or what, what, whatever, what it looks to me is, is I say, okay, she says that three separate occurrences happen and I'm looking at, okay, a B is a tool. He is a he's selfish. He's a diva. He's a me guy. But that does not mean that he's a rapist. Now, I mean, it, it could it could be true. But I I don't that we have to separate those two things that just because you're an ass, that doesn't mean that you do that you do criminal activities and, and rape women. And the other part is, is I'm looking at it and I'm saying, OK, so she says this happened three times, once in 2017, I think, and then twice in 2018, she flew to go to go have it happen twice then. And so in my mind, I'm saying the, my initial thought is, okay, if someone raped you and committed sexual assault to you, a, you are in a, a, it's not like this is your boss. She worked for him, but she's an independent contractor. So you don't, so you choose who you work for. Like, it's not like you actually have a paper contract that you have to fulfill. 
And I'm like, okay, so you flew to Miami after it already happened to have it happen again. I mean, that's the that that's the part that confuses me. And as a woman, VF, I've never had. To, I mean, as a man, I've never had this happen. Maybe as a woman, maybe you can shed some light to me on this because I don't want to be insensitive about it. But right. to me, in my brain, I'm like, this just doesn't make sense. Like, why am I gonna? keep signing up for the same thing it's not like i'm in a relationship with this person that we live together and we have kids and i can't get away which i fully understand which totally makes sense to me this 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 situation baffles my mind well again like i said i think it's subjective because every case is different every person is different no two uh cases are ever going to be the same and so people can chalk this up and they already are as she's an opportunist she's trying to extort money from him she's trying to elevate her name her business etc cetera, etc cetera. but the thing with her she took a polygraph from apparently the one of the leading uh examiners and said that she gave a truthful account of events back in 2017 but to your point why keep going back it's not like she has um a, a contractual duty to him it's kind of like he he texted her once she ignored the text he texted her again i think asking are you mad at me or something to that effect and then she responded and then he apologized and they talked and then they went back out and it's like what kind of control did he have over her is my is my biggest question here obviously he's he's a big guy um She's well, she's a nah, gymnast, he's not she, that but big. she's he's, he, compared to her. She's a gymnast. Gymnasts are never. Yeah, it, it's not like gymnasts are built like linebackers. Like she's she's small, and so um, you know it kind of makes me question like how vulnerable was she really to him? What was there an emotional connection between them? Like what actually was there? And I think that um, you know this is this kind of goes to the point where when something happens when sexual assault or rape happens so many people they're so fearful of going to the authorities they're so fearful of going to anybody that could possibly um you know kind of flip what they're trying to to say or do and it really is a moment of vulnerability and weakness and it, it it's it's embarrassing for a lot of people having to relive that over and over again knowing that there are people who know all these things about you but for some people, it just comes out some t- some days. It's just yeah. see, I I am I am of the opinion. I I agree with you that that happens. But, but we both know that there are times that that things happen where somebody is simply upset with the way their circumstances turned out. That they kind of played themselves and they are upset. And now with the way the NFL handles domestic violence and violence against women, violence against children, all this stuff. Now, like these allegations can now be weaponized. And I think we saw that in the Tyreek Hill case where his the the woman he was in a relationship with, they're having problems. She says that he was the one that hurt the kid, but it turns out that he may have she may have lied way back when he was in college about it then the radio station or the tv station manipulated which part of the audio they they played it, it's and once you get this out there people automatically assume that you're guilty right and and it is so tough because as a former athlete as somebody who was accused of doing something that i did not do i mean didn't even touch this woman i was like when 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 i was in college i was like hold up I mean, and 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 I feel bad because on some level I feel a little jaded because I'm saying, all right, I know that the vast majority of time that when women say this, like 95, 98, whatever percent of the time, that this is true. But then I'm saying, yeah, but yeah, but sometimes there are cases where somebody's just upset they didn't get what they wanted, and or they see an opportunity to get money because these allegations can now be weaponized and people's career can now be in jeopardy. So black males go, go, you know, like those, those things happen where this is not a case of Greg Hardy, where he clearly did it and he paid somebody off. Like this is, you know, there are cases where people try to weaponize things and it's frustrating. So that's why I always call for, when pe- when it is found out that these people lie, that they should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, because 
they are the people who hurt victims, real victims, and make them not be believed. Exactly. Well, I was, um, I, I forget what the, uh, I think it was, who was it? A writer in Florida posted, I forget his name, posted on Twitter the other day that if, if I was um, a victim of rape or something like that, I would go to, let me see if I have a screenshot of it. Um, he said, if I, Omar Kelly, if you're raped, the first thing you should do is call the police and have a rape kit done. So I responded with more than 200,000 rape kits remain unopened in police storage across the country. So I think to your point that you have so many people who try and weaponize sexual assault, who try and use false allegations to further an agenda or whatever the case may be. And it really does devalue um, what other women are, are trying to say and, and putting their truths out there. And I think you have women like Brenda Tracy, who is an advocate uh, for, for uh, sexual assault survivors. And she always kind of tries to understand the whole scope of the situation before chiming in. But you know, every once in a while, you know, everybody who's an advocate for somebody, they have their hits and their misses. And sometimes, you know, there's misses and then people go on the attack and then suddenly say, well, you were wrong. So therefore that invalidates all of your life's work and you're just an opportunist too. And so I feel like every time somebody comes out with a false allegation, it really does delegitimize the efforts of so many people to try and, and bring light to these very serious situations. And so I really hope that I think for the sake of the future that people just kind of stop and think about it for a second. If somebody sexually assaults you at one, at whatever point, if they, you know, the, I think the first incident with her, she was changing in an upstairs restroom and he walked in with his penis out. And um, if something like that happens and you feel uncomfortable about that, you need to know when one to step away from the situation and two, when to report that immediately. This was the first sign so that all this stuff gets documented. And so if you continue to go back to these situations, all this stuff is properly documented within the right uh, within the right uh, uh, legal protections. So, um, you know, I, I just I, it's okay, tough. OK, OK, so so I so I have a question. Where does sexual assault start and where does. Uh, sexual harass. Where where does the line from sexual harassment go to sexual assault? Because I'm I'm always curious about uh, about this because assault. The word assault in my mind, uh, like it, like the connotation that comes up is somebody touched you in some sort of way, in some sort of harmful way. And so I'm wondering that if 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 I walk into a room, VF is standing there, and I walk in with my dick out. Even though this would not happen, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and I walk and and I walk in. I mean, have you then been assaulted or have you then been harassed? I mean, I think it's subjective. It's like we can we can we can put that to a locker room. Uh, we've all been in locker rooms. You as a player, you as a as as a, as a, a media personality, me as a media personality. We've all been in locker rooms, and it's like where where do your eyes choose to go? You know, it is is kind of where your your vision is where your focus is and so um you know it's being professional so yeah if that was a situation where it was a locker room or something like that be professional it is what it is i'm you know we're, we're all in the same industry and so uh you know if it was a uh you know a, a like a outside setting then i would be like what the fuck is going on and i would be like yeah. we need to talk about this like and that would be a conversation that was had and I would probably confide in it with somebody, but you know, it, it that, that would be that. And I would hope that, you know, if that would happen, that it would, it, that would be it. And so if that continued to happen, uh, then, then yeah, obviously, but, uh, that's an issue. But I think in, in the case of sexual assault versus sexual harassment, harassment can be a number of things. I know, uh, myself and, and so many other women in sports who I know get sent dick pics all the time. And it's like, can we not, can we stop doing that? That is, that is okay, disgusting. See, see that, but that's, I, oh my God. VF, just you saying that, I mean, it still blows my mind to this day. Right, but because I wouldn't. Because I, 
I because I had no clue. Like I honestly, you can call me naive or just whatever, but I had no clue until the last couple years. Like hearing the type of flagrant harassing things that people did where bosses would call women in and they would be jacking off in the office or loud porn when they walk in i'm like like my mind just didn't believe that like i was like there's no way people do this i mean it's just so belligerent some of the stuff that's done and when you said that reporters are sent dick pics i'm like Bro, she didn't, like, she's trying to get a story from you. Like, why do you send unsolicited dick pics? I mean, I right. I, I don't I don't understand. Like, who, I mean, like, how many times has this happened to you? Um, from players, actually, never. Players, never. Players have always been very, very respectful. But that's, again, like, I, I keep conversations light. It's just, you know, and I'm friends with a lot of players that I have interviewed. And, again, very respectful. Text every once in a while. Hey, how are you? Um, you know, just kind of shoot the shit. And so I think those relationships are great. But um, a lot of that happens in the sports media world. And a lot of that happens in the sports business world. And even more of that happens with outsiders, people who are fans or followers or whatever the case may be, sending just you know Snapchats or Instas or whatever it is. And that's kind of, I think, from everyone that I have talked to, all the women in the sports world that I know, that is kind of the bulk of where it comes from. It's, it's rarely ever players. It's rarely ever coaches because they have too much to lose. Yeah. And especially yeah. now so, in the social media world. And I said a couple years ago on, on Twitter, I was very ble- uh, blunt about it. I said, the next person who sends me a picture of a dick pic, it's going on Twitter. And it, oh. it stopped. And it stopped. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so every, hey. on occasion, on occasion, I'll get one on Snapchat. But I'm like, I don't have time for this shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, well, 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 hey, that's one way to get it. Get it stopped. Exactly. I mean, that's like, oh, girl, the, uh, the 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 former porn chick. What's what's her name? Mia Khalifa. Right. Who used to get all these dudes in her DMs and then she would just blast them. Guess guess what dudes probably stopped doing. Exactly. They probably stopped hopping. Right, but just because she was a DMs. porn star did not give them the right to send her photos of their dick. That's unsolicited. That's not it's it's it is sexual harassment and it's uncalled for. It doesn't matter what her occupation is or was at the time. It's it doesn't matter what people know her for. It's that's highly inappropriate and unacceptable. So back to the original point of what is sexual assault and sexual harassment, I think sexual assault obviously is when things get physical because, and it can be any number of, of physicalities. It can be um, showing somebody your dick in person, not letting them leave a room or, or making them feel uncomfortable, things like that. Um, because that is a physical, that is physically in front of you. Sexual harassment is just kind of when you're making advances or you know, sending something digitally um, but I think once somebody is physically in front of you making, um, making passes like that, that's, that's, that's where you kind of draw the line there. Yeah. Oh, oh. And as a man, I will tell you this. I don't even fuck around in these situations. Like I, I am like, I don't even put myself in situations where I could be accused of something. And I, I operate on the buddy system. <laughs> I mean, I mean like, like real, real talk, like you won't see me and another woman that's not like a close friend of the family like doing anything together like solo like it's not happening right i mean and and that's just for i i feel like i do it for my own personal protection you have to and i was at my kids um back to school night last night and the teacher said oh you can come in and take certain tests these reading tests and all of this you can do it before school or after school and he was like but your kid has to bring a friend with them like we're not doing the in the classroom all by ourselves thing i you know he was like it's for their safety for my safety you know like and, and for everybody's transparency and everything that's just how i operate and i was like i didn't mind that at all yeah. i'm like uh, somebody who's going to be proactive and protect themselves that's the way I operate in my own personal life. I don't play these games. I got too much to lose. I got five kids, a wife, a house, you know, right. a career. Like, I don't have time to have somebody accusing me because if you accuse me, you be- you are going to, I'm going to be like, nope, because, because Jimmy, because Jimmy was there, VF was there. Go ask them what happened. I, there's no chance. 
I mean, that's what. So if you accuse accuse me, then you Photoshop some shit. Like you have <laughs> manipulated audio because it's not happening. But this is why it's so important for people to protect themselves and cover their bases. And we, you know, we go back to sexual assault claims all the time and wonder where's the evidence. And unfortunately, it's like you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. And and unfortunately, also with with uh, with um, uh, how public perception, it doesn't matter if you are convicted or you're acquitted. What matters is then public perception because that can take a career. It doesn't matter if you're guilty or innocent if the public decides you're guilty, you're guilty. And you're gonna have uh, sure. you're gonna have a couple million people who are convinced to the day you die and even after that you are guilty of what you were exonerated of, what there was no evidence to prove. And that's that's just how society works. We're such a cancel culture. It's if I disagree with you, I'm gonna cancel cancel you. If I if I think that you're full of shit, I'm gonna I'm going to cancel you. And that's just the kind of culture that we have. Nobody wants to pay attention to um, to evidence or anything. And they everybody just wants to form an opinion. And that's their opinion without seeing any evidence. And I think that that is so unfair on so many different levels, because one, you have victims who are, are real victims of crimes who think that I can't come forward because because this is what it's like. This is the culture of sexual assault and it scares the shit out of me. And that's why women, and that's why a lot of men who are sexually assaulted don't come forward and especially men because it is possible for men to be assaulted. Um, and, and they don't come forward because it's, it's, it's just suddenly people oh, like, there's a lot of shame. Yeah. Right. Like you're a man. There's a lot of shame surrounding that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like how did you get, how the hell did you get raped? Right. I mean, it's like men are abused in situations because physically even by by women because they don't want to respond and they are victims in the situation as well but to go back to uh antonio brown and the and the lady miss miss taylor all of that stuff that whole text message um i'm sorry that whole email exchange that went back and forth was crazy to me yeah and and the reason why it was crazy because i was like isn't i was like who talks like this is antonio brown like half illiterate <laughs> but that's that's why, that's why it was so interesting i because... jacked my dick on your back slept with you in bed fuck your knowledge bitch i've been all pro i before i even knew you there are no yous only only use you hit me up on line bitch try, uh crying i didn't hit you i mean these aren't complete this coherent sentences even... Yeah, I was just like, I, I was more embarrassed about the emails and the right. structure of the emails. I was like, this dude clearly has no, this dude, he can't be doing any type well, of business. And then he says, nobody that does business sends emails like this. Right. And then he says, you a disgrace to little girls. You a failed gymnast living in the past at your mama house with your mama. Lucky I showed you around. You're welcome. My baby mama know you a weak bitch. When she spot one, you played yourself. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? What do you, what do you, I showed you around your welcome. My baby mama. No, a weak bitch. When she spot one, you played yourself. It's like, there are so many things in this that like, even if he wasn't guilty, it's kind of like, he basically is admitting that I showed you around your welcome. So they, you know, there is that, that relationship there. Um, my baby mama know a weak bitch when she spot one. You played yourself. Like, what is all that? And I think that is. Okay. Okay. That right there is Antonio Brown trying to save face because he's with his baby mom, I think. And, and he's trying to save face. And I will admit. Okay. So way back in the day, like one of my first years in the league. So my, my son's mom, the 13 uh, year old. I had been messing around with some chick in Jacksonville. She didn't live live there. And mind you, this is an embarrassing story. I have grown as a person, but the but here's the truth. So uh, she knew that I had company in town. We weren't the girl in Jacksonville. We weren't in a relationship, none of that. And she messed around. And I lived in a gated community. You had to call. I was like, do not let her in, period. And she knew somebody else who lived in my community. So it ended up, she came to my house. She rang my doorbell. I was like, listen, you got to go. Get the hell away from here. Mind you, my my, uh, girlfriend at the time didn't think anything 
And but because I just went to the door like a normal person came to the door and she didn't even walk over there. A few minutes later, door comes again. And I'm like, yo, you got to fucking go. She leaves. Door comes again. And then this time she walks over there to see who it is, too. And I'm outside. And I will be honest. I tried to save save face. And like I cussed her out so bad. I had to repent after I was like, God, please, please, please forgive me. That was not right. And and I did it because I was trying to save face because I had done something wrong. She was out of pocket for coming to my to my house, but I was out of pocket for even having a relationship like that to begin with. So I put myself in danger and, and I put myself in a high risk situation that that made me have to choose in that point and try to go over and above to prove a point. I did it. But after it didn't feel right. And I think that sometimes when guys get caught cheating, all of this and that they, you know, they know in that moment, I better do something. And I think that's what Antonio Brown tried to do. And I look back on these things and I'm like, wow, like that was dumb as hell, G. Like that was just like, why on earth would you think this was a good idea? And then to act out of character and treat somebody else poorly like like that was embarrassing to me and you know and and those are things that you don't let happen again right but that's just i think that's that's sort of one of the hidden lessons in this is accountability it's like if you fuck up like own it if if he slept with her own it if he doesn't want to um to you know create a wedge between him and his and the mother of his child then you know own it say this is what happened i'm gonna be honest with you no bullshit this is exactly what happened tell her what happened and then kind of move on from there. It is what it is. And so, um, you know, I think putting things out there eliminates the need to mask other things. It eliminates the, uh, the possibility that things are going to blow up to unnecessary proportions. And, you know, I think with the AB situation, when we talked about this with the helmet, is there ever a time when it's acceptable for an intervention? Is there ever a time when it's acceptable for an agent or a legal counsel to say, listen, should we maybe just kind of take a step back here and reevaluate? Because there's a lot going on here that there's a lot to unpack. What is going on in your life? Why are we, one, why do we continue to make these choices? He, he obviously put himself in some very questionable uh, positions throughout uh, the course of his time with his with this trainer. And where's the end game here? When is all this going to end? What's going to happen? And so I think this is the time when his people need to sit down and have a serious intervention with him because it seems like he's just, I mean, obviously he's denying everything and, um, you know, but it's just, I don't know. He's planning on suing on counter suing Taylor for civil extortion, but. Okay. So does the fact that, he says that she tried to get $1.6 million from him and that she's got um, like that. She's got $300,000 in tax liens and debt and all this stuff. Do you think that that factors into how you feel about this or think about this at all? No, not at all. I think that a person's business um, acumen, ethics, whatever, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're, a, it doesn't mean they're a bad person necessarily. It doesn't mean that they're capable of lying necessarily. It might mean that they're just an absolute idiot when it comes to money, but that's, that's, that's a conversation for another time. Um, but I think that, I think all that's going to be, going to be shown. And I think that if they're planning on, on, exhausting all legal options against her as as they've already said they're planning on doing uh they're going to be able to approve prove a lot of things i know that there was a conversation that she had with his um uh, i think it was his chef i want to say um but i guess she confided in him about what happened um and you know so obviously i think there's going to be a lot of evidence that that comes up in this case. And I think that we're going to, we're going to see where a lot of things are going to be exposed. We're going to see where a lot of evidence gets brought up that we maybe didn't think existed. But I think that, um, I, I don't think that her financial issues 
it are truly a factor in this case because i mean unless they can prove that this was in fact extortion unless there's emails or texts or you know recorded conversations or whatever that proves that then i, I don't think that we're ever going to be able to have proof that that is why this this is being presented yeah, I, I think we got to watch this situation closely and see what m comes out of it. But now we want to move on to the next thing, the California Fair Play Act, which is a bill. It's Bill 206, and it's from the California State Assembly. They actually passed a bill on Monday that would allow college athletes to be paid for the for the commercial use of their name, image, and likeness. And they obviously people like, LeBron James, Draymond Green, Bernie Sanders, and even me, George Reister, um, <laughs> have been, uh, I'm a proponent of it. I, I think that it is un-American. I think that it is terrible that you're going to have that players who have the top selling jerseys with their name on it, who have all of these who add so much value to universities that they can't make money off their name, image, and likeness. And mind you, there are so many people that say, oh, well, they're getting a free education. The education is not free. There's nothing free about it. They are paying with their time, energy, and effort, and then they're bringing more money in. But the problem is, is that people think that this is just about paying athletes. No, what it is, is, is that players will then be able to if they wanted to have a YouTube channel, they won't get kicked off the team or be ineligible like the kid at Central Florida, the kicker at Central Florida. If they want to do a podcast and grow their podcast, grow their brand, they can do that just like every other student on campus. So it is, it, it is stupid. It is asinine for the people who are against this. And then Mark Emmerich, who's the president of the NCAA VF, he comes out and says that he that they may throw California <laughs> out of the that they may throw California out of the uh, postseason for um, for the NCAA. They won't be able to compete for national championships. And I'm like, who the hell cares? Because you're gonna have all these five star kids from the south, from everywhere else, flocking to California because they know they can get that cash and play games. Exactly. They don't, at that point, you're going to have these athletes who say, well, I don't really care about a national championship when I can secure the bag. And I think that is one of the issues that people just kind of don't really want to talk about in this case, in this uh, situation, because, you know, California has over 20 division one schools and we're not just talking about football. Football is obviously one of the biggest money makers. There's also basketball, there's baseball, there's, there's plenty of other sports and California is king in, in other sports like water polo too. And so I'm not saying that obviously we know that the value of a water polo player is nothing compared to that of a football player, but it doesn't matter because these players are going to say they could still be the, the top athletes from all over the country and they could still look at California and say, you know what, that is where I want to go because I know that I can make money there. I know that I can do something with my education while I'm receiving it and have the guidance that you, I think that's another thing that California has to address also is to say, well, are we going to be providing our student athletes with mentorship? Are we going to be providing them with uh, with advisors that can help advise them on businesses, patents, trademarks, et cetera, et cetera, how to set up their LLCs, how to, there has to be some sort of business division in all of this. Otherwise, I Ooh, think it's I like just, that. I think it's just kind of like just a fuck it type move to, to sort of trump the NCAA and say, well, fuck you, Mark Emmert. But it has to be done in a business sense that makes sense. Otherwise, it's just, it's kind of for nothing. It's going to be a free for all shit show. Nobody's going to have sight or vision on it. I think that if this is going to be successful and if this does pass, if California does say, well, you know what? The NCAA relies on its member institutions for its very existence. If every member institution of the NCAA basically said to the NCAA, we're out, we're done with you. You are way too big for your own good. You are destroying amateur sports by continuing to live like we're still fighting the civil war, then um, we're out. And so I think that if these 
California schools actually come to the table and say, we're planning on offering our student athletes with this crash course semester in business, in in proposals, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to really teach them how to use and monetize their likeness, um, their image, who they are, and really create that revenue stream. We're going to show them how taxes work. We're going to show them how to set up their businesses. We're going to show them which states are best to set up the biz- their business and why. And I think that would kind of say to the NCAA, look, we're still in the best interest of student athletes. We're just trying to create more efficient student athletes. We're trying to prepare the the people who aren't the 98% of student athletes who will never go pro for an actual uh, successful life. Because so many of these student athletes, their parents are working multiple jobs to offset costs. Mm-hmm. Most of these student athletes, the, you know, people think that just because you're on a scholarship, they don't know how partial the scholarship is, whether it's, you know, 50% full scholarship. They don't know that. And people really don't know uh, how much this stuff costs these families at the end of the day. You've got travel expenses. Parents want to go see their kids play. Um all these things add up and parents are, are going into debt trying to help their kids get to the whether it's that degree to get them to the job or whether it's the playing time to get them to the next level in their playing careers. This stuff adds up. And basically what the NCAA is saying to parents is that unless you come for money, unless you can personally afford this, then, you know, fuck you. That's kind of what they're saying. And it's oh, a yeah. huge slap in the face to working families who they're working their asses off. And, and you know, to, to, to prevent these student athletes from really reaching their full potential as a student and an athlete and creating business people, the NCAA is just, they're wrong on this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they have, but the crazy part is that they have some public support for this. But the the state of South Carolina is now introducing a bill that's very similar. And you have people like Tim Tebow speaking out against it. And and he said the most asinine thing I've ever heard. Oh, I had the top set, the one of the five top selling jerseys in the in the world. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, somebody, somebody else, me. And and I was playing for my team, my university. And. And um, I didn't even want to make money off that. Well, you're a fucking idiot, Tim Tebow. If you if you are going to, uh, I mean, that's like showing up at your job every day, and then you signing autographs or people buying your 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 paper pen, your paper pencil um, your pocket protector at work or your keyboard that you came up with that you made popular. And then everybody else just taking the money and you're like, oh, no, no, no. I just want the fame. I just want the fame. I don't want the money. I want the fame. No, you're an idiot is what it is. Like, And then the NCAA has tried to make this a legal issue in terms of um, where you sent over a lot of information, VF, about the Interstate Commerce Commission, which was established in 1887 to regulate the economics and the services of of specified carriers engaged in transportation between the states which is sort of the ncaa and it and in terms of the uh the teams play from different states there's money exchanged all of that but the commerce clause but the commerce clause like that doesn't apply in this situation this is a time where the NCAA is going to be fighting tooth and nail and against this, but they are fighting a losing battle because the, because other States, because in California, it would go into place in 2023. So other States are saying, hold up. We understand what's going to happen. So the top recruits that normally go to Alabama, they're going to go to uh, USC, UCLA, Cal, Stanford, San Diego State, Cal Poly, wherever else, because guess what? And people are saying, oh, well, they won't be on TV. No, 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 no. TV follows the players. The money follows the players. So even if the players, if you get the, 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 the top five starting, the top five basketball recruits at Cal Poly Pomona, guess who's gonna be on TV every damn week? If LeBron James Jr. is at Cal Poly Pomona, guess who's gonna be on TV? Cal Poly Pomona. 
Exactly. Guess who's not going to be on TV? Alabama, who doesn't have the players. Exactly. Um, well, here's the thing about the uh, South Carolina proposal. Uh, their proposal would allow the state's biggest colleges to pay $5,000 a year stipends to athletes in profitable, profitable sports like football and basketball. It would give collegiate athletes who can receive tuition and housing for their efforts but not pay an opportunity to earn money from sponsorships and autograph sales for the first time. So they're they're basically saying that if you are in a profitable sport, again, like it's kind of also disenfranchising other players, which I get it, they're not breaking in the money, but it's also kind of being, you know, we, we talk all the time about how certain colleges are dropping certain sports. And by doing that, you're dropping scholarship opportunities for people. They might not be good at baseball or basketball, but they might be okay in golf. They might get a partial scholarship in golf, but they couldn't afford college otherwise. It's basically saying, well, okay, um, if you're not a part of a profitable sports arm, then you're not going to get this opportunity. Well, at that rate, you're going to have entire programs being dropped from the rosters of college um, of, of college programs because all this money is going to be have to, is going to have to be absorbed somewhere within their budget. So you can see these opportunities for other kids, like you know all these other sports that don't make money or as much money being dropped to supplement this five thousand uh, dollar stipend. So that's unfair also. And I think that, you know, yeah, maybe South Carolina is kind of might be onto something here, but at the same time, I don't see how that is viable. See, I, I, I think that that's a stupid proposal because it does cut out other sports because right. here's the thing. I'm going to give you a name that you probably have not heard of, but you will hear of soon. There's a girl who plays well, a young, young woman who plays volleyball at Oregon. Her name is Ronica Stone. And she and there are Ronica Stones at every single college. There are people who play non-revenue generating sports that are extremely popular. Like she's social media famous. She's she's pretty. She's a good player. She's entertaining. And like if she could make money from YouTube right now, she would be making tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars from YouTube now if she could do that. And that's unfair because if you can um, if you can become popular, if you are an entertainer, every other student on campus can do this. Who's on scholarship? So why shouldn't players be able to do this? It does not create an unlevel playing field because just because somebody is is very talented does not make them entertaining. Just like how many times do we see the best player in the league not necessarily be the most entertaining player in the league. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I think that what, people, what? you know, for for example, for example, LeBron James, everybody said, oh, he's so dry. He's so dry. We never, you know, his 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 humor is very dry. And then he starts releasing these Taco Tuesday videos and everyone's like, oh, he's great. He's great. Um, that was entertaining. But it's like, I mean, other than that, he's kind of dry. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, to your point about about athletes kind of, you know, if say, for example, if Oregon had that South Carolina proposal where they were paying their basketball players, their top earning sports, $5,000 and they had to cut volleyball, would she then have an opportunity to really have a national platform? Would people really, you know, care as much as 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 maybe she would if if she had that volleyball platform? Uh, or that Oregon brand to kind of accompany who she was or her personality. And so um, I, I think, again, it kind of goes back to how many sports are going to be shuttered to to supplement this stipend. So I, I think that what California is doing is on the right path. And I think that it's interesting that Mark Emmert made an appeal to California Governor Gavin Newsom, uh, basically asking him not to sign the bill. And that's because the NCAA has probably exhausted all other options in this case that he has no other choice but to write a plea to Gavin Newsom. So who wields the power here, him or Gavin Newsom? Yep. Gavin Newsom I, uh, wields the power and therefore every yep. other state ha- wields that power. Every member institution wields that power. And so uh, I think this is a real opportunity now for colleges to basically say, again, to the NCAA, fuck you, we're going to take control of the sport because this isn't the same NCAA that was established under Teddy Roosevelt. It, it, you know, when it was established under Teddy Roosevelt, it was on the premise that 
football is dangerous. We need rules. We need laws to prevent kids from dying if we want this sport to survive. And that was pretty much what started the NCAA because it was football was a dying sport at that time. It was lawless. It was reckless. People were getting mauled on the football field and they needed some sort of rules system. And what has happened in the last, you know, 150 years of, of since football's infancy in the collegiate level is, is something that Roosevelt probably couldn't even have the vision on. He probably imagined this would never, this is the, he was a Harvard guy, I mean, but, even, but even still, even he probably didn't ago. know. Exactly. Yep. It changes so quickly. And so how can you continue to govern <clears throat> such a large um, net of teams and laws and, 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 and think that you're going to be able to do this under such antiquated rule systems, the world is changing. And so too must the NCAA. I think that's what California is trying to say. And, you know, you've got a massive state like California, like we said, 20, uh, 20 schools that are basically on board with this. Yep. And I love it. I love the fact that they're pushing the NCAA to change. Now, VF, it is time. It is time. Drum roll, please. (laughs) For our idiot of the week. You chose our idiot of the week this week. So I'm going to let you tell everybody about our idiot of the week. Okay. So it's not necessarily that Odell Beckham Jr. is the idiot of the week. It's the whole situation that makes it the idiot of the week. Uh, Richard or um, Odell Beckham. He wore a $190,000 Richard Mille timepiece. It is a very exclusive watch, okay? This is, it's not even a watch. It's considered a timepiece. And um, it is one of 500 pieces that were made of this specific timepiece. And um, it, backtrack a little bit, okay? So OBJ went to a Formula One race back in May. Formula One, obviously, it's it's international, very uh, bougie sort of racing scene. Um, but he went. No to the- wonder you love it. No <laughs> I love it so love much. It. I love it so much. Like literally everywhere you go on on a on an F one racing track, there's like Rolex everywhere. It's great. Um, <laughs> but so uh, OBJ went to the uh, Formula One Monaco Grand Prix back in May, and he said that he Lewis Hamilton inspired him. Lewis Hamilton is one of the top. Uh, drivers in the world. And he's, he's got a lot of moxie. He's got a lot of swagger. And so, so suddenly, um, uh, and then uh, Richard Meal is a sponsor, is a partner of the very first American-based Formula One team, which is Haas Racing. So he comes back and he's got this Browns um, colorway Richard Meal timepiece. Again, $190,000 watch. So everybody's making a big deal about it. Um, He says it's OBJ says this watch is just on me. Like it's now part of his person. Like it's like a thumb. And then there's this Richard meal. And so (laughs) the league says they don't prohibit jewelry, but it does have a policy prohibiting hard objects. And OBJ argues that the watch is plastic. So it shouldn't be an issue and that he's going to continue wearing it. So you're having a lot of people saying if I was an opposing player, I'd rip that watch off him. Um, it just a lot of the commentary try coming whip, from this. Try, it's hard enough to tackle and cover OBJ. Try ripping a watch off. I, like how it's, stupid! It's, it's not a gold chain where Akeem right. to leave got into it with with Crabtree. Oh, no, I this is that, a. Though. Yeah, this is I a. It's a watch. That. Only uh, only magicians can take watches off of people. Like it right, is impossible. It is impossible. V, VF, people may not know this. It is impossible literally impossible for, for for football players to tie their shoes with gloves on with the with the gloves on it is impossible well, you- i've never i've never been able to see anybody do it ever and so imagine trying to do be a magician and take a watch off right with 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 these gloves on that you can't even tie shoes with right. yeah how about no like there was a byu player last week who grabbed a guy's shoe and threw it off him <laughs> like a fit or something and it's like ooh, that's mormon mad but um no, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh you mormon mad but um no like and that's what i think is so funny because i'm looking at the side where everybody's so fixated on like obj's an asshole um uh, why is he wearing this watch it's all about him if it's not that because he wants you know, to wear if it's not watch. that watch Right. They're like, if it's not that stupid 
skunk mohawk it's this watch and i'm like y'all need to calm the fuck down like he's fine like just let this man live his life so basically the idiot of the week this week are the people who are taking shots at odell beckham jr for his watch for his hair for anything else that he does i think that y'all need to move the fuck on like this is a non-issue let the man wear his watch let him live his life i totally he's not hurting anyone and, and guess what He's probably catching if he wants to put a wristband over it. Okay, fine, because I do understand that something hard could could hurt somebody. But but players play with casts on sometimes literal right. casts, literal like so, there's there's plastic, there's metal, there's also I mean, and those metal things can depending on how hard a person's hit that can that can break the seal of what's covering it. So yep, I, I mean those things can become dangerous weapons very quickly like i think people are just making too big of a deal over this i really hope odell beckham jr is getting getting a check out of this i i hope he's getting a well check they out say of this. they say he's not a spokesperson for meal says that uh beckham is not a brand ambassador that he was uh, I guess, gifted the watch but he's not a brand ambassador i'm like do you know how much shit. do you know what i right. need now bro i right. need, I need my coins like, I will know? find a new watch to wear. <laughs> right. He is giving them so much advertisement. Just people wondering, what's Richard Meal? What's F what's Formula One? What's Haas Racing? How yeah. do you pronounce Richard Meal? Like, it's, oh, it's a French brand. That's fabulous. And like, I wouldn't doubt it if more people tune into the next Formula One race just because of this. Like, it's, it's totally perfect cross-marketing. And yeah, if I'm Odell Beckham Jr., I'm calling Richard Meal and I'm saying, I won't be paid. Richard Meal. Richard um, Meal. That's how you say it in French. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I want to move on to the last thing we got up today, our good guy of the week, Kobe Bean Bryant. Why is he the good guy of the week, VF? He is a good guy of the week because he called out a 12-year-old, I think she was 12, for missing his basketball camp over a dance recital, which I think is a real teachable opportunity here. I mean, I don't have children, so I don't really kind of like know what a parent would say to a kid in a situation like this. But at the same time, I kind of feel like who who misses an opportunity to ball with Kobe Bryant? Like, I just, I feel like it would have been a cooler situation to say, I'm missing a dance recital to go ball with Kobe Bryant. And then at the end of the, uh, the, the hour with him or say, Can, hey, let's have a dance off. I like this from Kobe Bryant. Like this was excellent from Kobe Bryant because, but the thing I didn't like that he did, he backpedaled after. He posted a picture of, of him dancing. I wasn't trying to call the girl out, just noting why she wasn't in the picture. No, it's, he said it right. Her focus was somewhere else and that's fine. It is okay. He encourages kids to do better. But also, he also talks about the mentality it shows the mentality that you have to have to be great at anything you have to be a maniac because right. people talk about balance and balance is good it's good for your emotional health your relationships all of that but trying to have balance and do something great don't work like right. you have to like something is going to sacrifice if you right. are trying to be the best father in the whole wide world then you're going to have to sacrifice some of your time at work, maybe some of your time with your friends, some of the stuff that you do. If you're trying to work on the relationship with your kids, then yes, you're going to have to sacrifice some other things. If you're trying to build a business and a great career and that's your main priority, then guess what? You're going to have to sacrifice in some areas. Mind you, it should only be for short periods of time, but that's what you have to do. Like it takes a maniacal attitude to be great at something or to do something great. And Kobe recognizes that. And that's why he's a good guy of the week. I love it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I, I look at uh, the focus that it takes to be successful in certain things. And I, I, I think when you're young and here's, here's my, my, my story about you know, where I go to school, Harvard extension is that when I was looking to apply, I was trying to figure out, okay, my admissions essay, what do I say, my CV letter, what do I say, my resume, what needs to be on that? And every single um, article that I pulled up about any Ivy experience was said, don't make yourself look like a buffet. The Ivies don't want a buffet. The elite schools don't want a buffet. You might excel in 25 different things. They don't want that. They want someone who puts every effort 
their all into one or two things that they feel are going to change the world. And I think when you're young, it's great. Parents want their kids in baseball, soccer, dance, everything to figure out what it is that they love. But I think at some point too, as a parent, you have to understand that your kid is, might have 20 things that they, they like, but how are they gonna find something they love when they're being thrown into 20 different things? It's almost impossible to excel that way and to kind of get your mind focused on one or two things. So I think, you know, yeah, to your point, you need complete focus. If you want to be great at something, you need to be uh, a maniac at it. And I think that's, that's a great teachable moment for people that, you know, Kobe didn't become Kobe Bryant because he was interested in 20 different side projects. Kobe became Kobe because he was focused on basketball. Yep. So I think that's, that's the teachable moment here. I totally agree with you, BF. And that wraps up the slant today. George Reister, BF Castro. You guys, make sure that you tell a friend about the slant. Talk about the slant. And where sports meets pop culture and politics, we talk it all in an unafraid way. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your energy. Peace out and catch you next week. Bye.